0: Shelf Pleasure contains strong language and descriptions of sexual acts and violence. It is intended for mature audiences, and listener discretion is advised. Additional themes may be discussed that listeners find triggering, and we encourage all listeners to check the episode descriptions for content warnings to decide if this podcast is right for you. Welcome back, bibliophiles and lovers of... let's <laughs> Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> you are listening to Shelf Pleasure, a podcast about smut and romance literature, and we are your hosts... Krista the Chaos Demon. <laughs> and Kelsey, who took seven pages of notes for this episode, <laughs> because I have no chill. Kelsey the Straight A Student, and Krista the Class Clown, which actually I never thought I would consider myself that, but... I'm, I've I've opened up a new side of me while recording. <laughs> I also feel like
1: for we're the better, we're who very knows? good
0: balance because I am too straight laced, which very appropriate considering some of the characters that we're gonna talk about in this <laughs> in this story. But I'm sometimes too straight laced about that shit, and you make sure it's like fun and balanced, and like you bring up really great points that I don't. Sorry, I'm just like tooting our own horn oh my god we're so great no but i I just like i more more that i really like the what you bring because it makes me feel less crazy i like what and i appreciate what you bring because it makes it feel like we're gonna have a functioning podcast (laughs) instead of me just being like and once in a while having a cohesive well thought out (laughs) like thought all that to say, uh, welcome back to our little our little duo. Um, I don't think we have any real editor's notes this time, but nope. I feel like we should say, we mentioned this in the first episode, and then I think in zero following, uh, but this podcast will always contain spoilers for the book that we're covering. Yeah, we so can't you, control it. We have zero self-control, particularly me. So this is not a spoiler-free review. No. We will be getting into the dirty details of the all down, of these books, the nitty-gritty, the down and dirty. We're spilling all the tea, and with that, yeah, our tea spilling today will be concerning Evie Dunmore's bringing down the Duke. I'm into it. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about this one. Me too. It's a so this is a historical romance or a histrom, if you prefer, <laughs> which I found to be a refreshing change of pace from all of the regency romance i've read this year which is just to say the bridgerton books uh, because i read all of them in a row since this is technically a victorian romance so for like frame of reference this takes place between 1879 and 1880 which is like 60 years post what we're seeing in the regency time frame and like the bridgerton stories so and there's a these books in particular, I like because there's a like a feminist twist on these stories, mm-hmm. and that is very refreshing because we don't usually get that in no, this for, Yeah, and also what I really enjoy about talking about this one is that I think it's also a nice, refreshing change of pace for most of the books we've covered in this podcast because I feel like this one is more on, on the lighter fare. It's not... Super kinky or super smutty, like it's definitely spicy, but it's more romantic, but, yes, it is. Spicy, a, and it's, it's a much, softer, yeah, and it's much more of that, like, UST that Ugh. sexual attention and buildup. That oof, this book really reminded me how much I love unresolved sexual tension when done well. And this book was done well, and I will say for the episode, I actually did a reread of it because I was like, when we decided we were doing this, I had read it earlier this year. But of course, my sometimes my brain just decides to give up on me. So I thought, oh, shit, I don't remember any of the plot, I, like very little. <laughs> so I was like, I have to reread it. And I had enjoyed it when I first read it. Like, I was like, oh, it was good. I think I gave it like a three star. And then when I reread it, I enjoyed it so much more, like, it felt like I was reading it for the first time. There was stuff that, like, I rediscovered things I had really liked in the first oh, one, yeah. and I fell in love with new things. So that was a nice little fun surprise for me. This was also a reread for me because I read it – I read the first one and immediately read the following two. I, I love Evie Dunmore. This will little- – be no surprise um and I can't wait for the fourth book to come out yes. but um the same as through this reread I rediscovered th- I some things I definitely missed cuz I was just inhaling the series as quickly as possible the first time mm-hmm. around uh, but then I found other things that um uh, I just loved even more the second time and the writing style for me just fucking did it so yeah so this is like I was saying it's book 1 in a series of three published books, we've got one forthcoming, I think, next March. It's called The Gentleman's okay. Gambit. Um, and the entire series centers on this League of Extraordinary Women who are suffragists seeking to amend the Married Women's Property Act, which we'll get into very shortly and talk about a lot in this episode. But the the episode really – or the episode <laughs> – the, the book, book really begins uh, – with us being introduced to our leading lady, yeah. Annabelle Clear. Really oh, yeah. Before we get right into it, I did want to, I think we should preface it by saying this book is very plot heavy. Oh, shit, yeah. And it's so, excuse us if we run a little long. We if might be. If you've been listening before, you know that we tend to ramble and go off on tangents. So, we're going to try to be as brief as possible in our description of things. But we make no promises because we probably can't help ourselves. How successful we we are at that remains to be seen. Yes. But now, let's get into it. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. um, What was I saying? Oh, we're introduced to Annabelle Archer. um, And I love a double-letter name. Totally unnecessary, but uh, fun (laughs) fact about me. And Annabelle is busy trying to convince her cousin Gilbert that she should be allowed to attend Oxford, where women are finally allowed to attend lectures but are still not fully matriculated students, which is to say they're not technically enrolled, even though they're taking classes. But she's won a stipend through the what is it, the National Oh, I have it. National Society for Women's Suffrage. Hell yeah. And she like in exchange, they'll pay her tuition. And it's like she a scholarship. needs to support them on their quest to for the women's right to vote. Yes. So because women to vote in England at the time, you needed to own property. And when women were married, their property was then moved into their spouse's name and then they therefore had no property in their name and could not vote. So we can see how that would pose a huge problem for them. Yeah. Little just a small hurdle on the women's road for the vote. Yes, God. So and Gilbert, Gilbert is the fucking worst. Yes. I, I just have to say he's he's dumb and mean and truly you can't be both pick <laughs> a lane, sir. He treats her like a servant in this house that was left to him by her father. And because Annabelle's a woman, she couldn't inherit, which, this just fills me with rage. Uh, But he's so inept at running the fucking house, and he's so busy making children. And he can't fucking keep it in his pants for, like, a year. So so, he just had so many children. It's ridiculous. And I think also, one of the Gilberts, because he's dumb, but he thinks he's super smart. Yes. Which is always a a real winning combination. (sighs) Yeah. So he's busy making all these kids that he has a hard time providing for. And they're just sort of like hurting for funds and the house isn't well run or organized or anything. Annabelle, though, bless this babe. She is used to managing insufferable men. And it's one of my most, like, favorite things about her narration is talking about how she has to manage men, all which – Mood, babe. Mood. Uh, But she really plays into his hubris enough that She plays him like the fool that he is. (laughs) It's amazing. Yes, uh, she does. Enough, so that he agrees to let her go, provided she send him back two pounds a month to make up for the housekeeping childcare services that she currently provides for free. And she stays out of any scandals, since Oxford was kind of known for being debaucherous. Yeah. Which is, you know— like, WVU was known when I was growing up, as <laughs> possibly still known. And I think um, it's – well, I think it's also because you get the hint – you start getting hints that she had a prior scandal. yeah, When she was younger with a man, but you don't know what yet. So exactly. So I think that also plays into it, that she's going to – oh, my God, this, this hellscape – and she's got a history of uh, maybe not resisting temptation. Yes, which we love about her. But, yes, we uh, love it. We're, we support it. So Cause be, a scandal, girl. Because I have no chill, I needed to know how much this prolapsed asshole was demanding she <laughs> make and then send back to him each month on top of being a full-time student and then unbeknownst to him working in the women's suffrage movement. and got. Yes. I, and, I, she's, I, and she doesn't have – and because she has no money – she basically has no cho- – like, she's going to have to find a way to make the funds. Like, she's staying with Gilbert because her only other choice is to go to, like, a workhouse. Exactly. So, two pounds sterling in 1879 would be worth about 132.4 pounds today. So, he demanded two pounds per month, which is two sixty four eighty, And then if you convert that into American dollars, <laughs> that's $334.86. Which, as a woman whose means of earning extra income are extremely limited – that's kind of a lot of money, yeah. To demand of someone you're just working to the bone to like raise your kids and maintain your house because you're an idiot. Yeah, for your free labor, just all of this to say I hate Gilbert. Uh, he's the fucking worst. So <laughs> yeah, he sucks. But our girl Annabelle is freed from his company at least temporarily and heads off to Oxford, uh, which I thought was kind of funny since <laughs> How to Bang a Billionaire was also yes. set at Oxford. Um, but that's where she meets the rest of of this girl gang with the the ladies um the the suffrage movement so she's The National Society for Women's Suffrage. One Look, day I'll I get act, that som- right. Sometimes I actually take notes on things that are helpful. <laughs> but we we meet Lady Lucy who's the secretary for the National Society of Women's Suffrage, Katrina Campbell who's the bookish daughter of this professor and Scottish earl and then Hattie Greenfield, who is, I think, a banking heiress, right? Yes. Like her, uh, it's in, it. It kind of talks about how her dad is from kind of new money. Yes. Yes. Once in a while, in this book, there's like the upper class snobbery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, so they are all given this task of finding a gentleman of influence in Parliament Square, and oh, what, yes. Lucy to, gives them rules. Right? Yeah, they have to. So these are Lady Lucy's three rules for handing a leaflet to a gentleman. One. Identify a man of influence. Two, approach him firmly, but with a smile. Three, remember, they can sense you are afraid, but they are usually more afraid of you. And then one Annabelle says, like dogs. <laughs> yes. Another reason to love this woman. And yes. they're also, the, the pamphlets that they're handing out say the Married Women's Property Act makes a slave of every wife. So they're not subtle at all, which I love. And they're handing them out to... Like members of the House of Lords. Yeah, like, like pa- members of Parliament. They're, <laughs> they're like so They're really go they're really going for it. They're all men of influence, that yes. is to say. So Annabelle locks eyes with a terrifying looking gentleman as he leaves that the houses of parliament. And her first thought is, Oh, this man is perfectly unmanageable. Which, yes. ooh, we love. Um, so naturally she walks right up to him and hands him her big foot. But then yeah. It just gets bodied by his protection yeah, officer. he just straight up body checks her, uh, and she's about to hit the, pa- the literal pavement, although I guess I don't think they used actual pavement, but whatever they used. Hit is, the cobblestone. She's ab- yeah, she's about to hit it, and is suddenly rescued by... A man with icy eyes and yes. white blonde. I just pictured wait, Lee Pace. Hold on, wait, I have it. As if he sensed her scrutiny, he looked up, he froze. His eyes were striking... Ice clear and bright with intelligence, a cool, penetrating intelligence that would cut right to the core of things to assess, dismiss, eviscerate. All at once, she was transparent and fragile as glass. She. This man is packing a lot into a gaze. Oh, but this is- And I'm I here saw, for it. I saw Thranduil from the Hobbit movies, like the daddiest- Daddy to ever <laughs> daddy, uh, Lee, Lee Pace fucking kills it in, in that role, and that's kind of because he's got the white blonde hair and mm-hmm. the really severe kind of countenance. That's who I saw in this. Um, sorry, I'm off on a tangent already. I know. Same. <laughs> is, I, I'm like, oh, here. I I quoted. I highlighted a shit ton of things. So already, this I'm book like, is so quotable, though. It is. There's but, so many like just fun things. Even the plot and just Evie Dunmore's writing is really great and funny and witty so it just takes even, you away yeah it's like romantic parts but also parts that i just found really funny yes there she's oh my god i can't i can't stop talking about how much i i she's wildly talented yes um but this man is the duke of montgomery and he saves her from this fall and they have this really brief exchange where i think he's kind of taken by how direct she is and she looks him right in the eye and Lady Lucy is also very impressed with Annabelle, since the Duke is this, like, imperious man. Um, yes, and no well, one ever lobbies him before. It's true. And also, what I really liked is when, because he kind of, like, saves her from the fall, and he's holding on to her a bit too long. Ooh, and yes. I really loved the description of this, how it's, it's almost like that very cinematic moment, where once he lets go of her and goes on his way, then all of a sudden it's like all sound comes back, and they were in, like, this little... Bubble together where you know, like, ooh, no tension is just already the two starting. of us. Oh, yes, yes. So this Duke, whose real name is Sebastian Devereux, is being solicited by the Queen, which is when when Annabelle bumps into him, because Queen Victoria wants him to be the chief strategic advisor for the election campaign of the Tory Party. And in exchange for a favorable outcome in the campaign, which is to say he had better fucking win, uh, he will be given the chance to purchase his ancestral seat. I think it's called Montgomery Castle, right? Yes. Back from the Marquess, this Marquess who won it from Sebastian's father in A Game of Cards because Sebastian's father was, like, a dumpster fire of a man. Yeah, um, just a full-on drunkard and a He drowned in a puddle, like, oh, it's... Yeah, he was, it was, he was not, wasted and drowned in a puddle. It, it just... So, so, Sebastian is The way you really want to go out. Oh, but it, it made Sebastian super buttoned up, and he's made it his life mission to, like, recover everything that his father lost, mm-hmm. which is why he's so imperious. So, um, and then... The the queen also did him a solid because Sebastian had to divorce his first wife, which scandal. Yeah, we don't find out why, but no, suppose, but like he was she divorced, helped, and what is it? Because I think Lady Lucy tells Annabelle when they're talking about it that he divorced his first wife and basically took all of her inheritance or the dowry, yes. and left and then, her like, kind of with nothing. But you don't really know why or what the deal was. Yes. And she also demands a ball, because I guess if you're a queen, yes. you can demand what you want. And also, can I, speaking of funny quotes that I've mentioned before, one of my favorite parts is at the start of this, because right before they meet with the queen, Sebastian dresses down his protection officer, who was the guy that body checked Annabelle, and also one of the other men he is with, when they go to the queen... Um, he says to her, "A near miss, ma'am. We were attacked by a feminist on Parliament Square." And that one just made <laughs> so me laugh good. so hard. It was just so funny. And this, oh, I love a good quote about the ridiculousness of upper class men. Oh yeah, it. The, I again, I can't stress how well this this book is just so clever, and it's has just so much fun to read. And I the the following are are just as good in my opinion, but. I did love We <laughs> Attacked by a Feminist in the Square. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, back at Oxford, our group of blue stockings is now strategizing ways to get closer to men of influence. And they decide to work on Peregrine Devereux, younger brother of Sebastian. Yes, because Annabelle comes up with the idea that they should kind of – or or is it Lady Lucy? One of them, they come up with the idea that, like, oh, they should be taking notes on these men of influence and kind of finding ways in to, like, get yes, them to support exactly. their cause. and. Peregrine is the weakest link. And oh, yeah. I mean that in the best way. I do love him. Um, but he's he's kind of like Peregrine Took, in my opinion. He's a sweet chaos child who's just at Oxford to have a good time. And, you know, he's the second son. He doesn't have to be Yes. He doesn't have it, to be Sebastian. He they, gets to have fun. Yes, and because they know that so they've found out that Sebastian is supposed to be like the ed- campaign advisor for the Tories, so they know they have to target him. They're like he's like yes. number one on the list, and they know the easiest way to get to him. His weak link is his <laughs> is his little scamp of a brother. So they barter him, barter with him. They'll give him the key to a, a like a wine cellar at Oxford in exchange for a, a house party yes. invitation, so they can infiltrate the Duke of Montgomery's home. Mm-hmm. So the ladies get whisked off to Claremont Palace over, it's winter break, right? It's, it's between semesters. Uh, I think so. Or, it's, yeah, because this is basically, it's right, it's, I think, right like a before week or Christmas. two before Christmas. I think a week before Christmas. Yes. So they are, are whisked off to this little winter wonderland palace for a house party. And when they get there, they're like, oh, the Duke isn't in residence. Um, Sorry about your luck. Mm-hmm. And they're like oh you know whatever they go off to do their various things i i refer to it as um where was it the blue stockings go to claremont palace yes <laughs> the blue stockings take claremont <laughs> but the duke does make a surprise visit back and finds annabelle asleep in his library chair and immediately mistakes her from one of peregrine's because wim- peregrine's constantly running him up yeah it's they have like he, a interaction before and is he suspects like oh, my brother's got, like, a piece on the side. Yeah. Like, something's going on. He's a mess. He needs to grow up and get his shit together. So, and, so Sebastian thinks Annabelle's trying to entrap Peregrine and just gives her the boot out of the house. Yes, but I He's love, like, get the fuck out. Yes, but I love that also before when he kind of confronts her and she says, like, if he if he intended to intimidate her with his body, it was counterproductive for an intimidation for intimidation, rouse a strong emotion in her resistance. Yeah. So she be, like he's coming at her, and she's like, "Oh no, dude! Mm-mm. Like I'm not taking your crap." You and picked the wrong he, one. And then he's like, "Okay, that's nice, but you gotta go. Yeah, pack, pack your shit and get the fuck out of my hole. And she is as clever as she is stubborn. Um, decides to literally interpret what he tells her to do, and basically just packs up her shit and lead, Like yes. leaves on foot. Oh, so, but before she does. Because I, she does like a nice petty move, which I really appreciate. Is that I refer to it as she burn books him because oh, they have yeah. their they have their list their of like dossier. questions that they're <laughs> supposed to fill out about these influential men, and she just like trashes him in it, and then is like I'm out. <laughs> I thought that that would come back into play later in I the thought book so too, but it it did, but it was a no, great burn book moment. It's a one and done. But so she stomps her ass out of the palace and marches like five miles in the snow in like not a real winter coat. No, she's got, uh, to like the a, next town and she doesn't even tell her friends she just bounces and eventually yeah uh sebastian talks to his brother and realizes he made a colossal fucking mistake and and like really violated the rules of hospitality for the time and so he sends his groom well, and i think it's also that he fi- yeah he finds out that she he made a mistake like she's just a guest yes she has nothing to do with his brother exactly that's right yeah. yes yes sorry I'm, like, scouting for my... I'm, like, trying to keep up with my nose. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many, for for all good reasons. But, so, he sends a groom to fetch her, and she's basically, this poor like, this nah, poor groom. I'm good. Yeah. And so, yeah. the groom has to go back and tell Sebastian, like, so she wouldn't she, get on this horse. Yes, yeah, she says, tell his grace that I refused, and that I, o- I was awfully obstinate about it. A veritable shrew. <laughs> Which he will have no trouble believing. So great. So, uh... Then Sebastian shows up on his big-ass horse to demand that she come home. And they just have this wonderful little exchange where they're just arguing. And he's like, could you please just get on the fucking horse? And she's like, it's just like a mile up the road. I'm I'm good. She's very insistent that she's going to – because I think he also brings two horses. Yes. And she's like, one, I can't ride. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not happening. And also, I'm just going to go to the village. Like, you kick me out. We're done here. I'm just going to go to the village. Yes. It's just like, how far could it be? And he's like, lady, it's hours. It's snowing. It's winter. You're going to lose toes. on the horse. And please. F- fucking Annabelle. She does not budge, though, until he gets off his horse, hat in hand, and apologizes. Yes. And then she's like, okay, can be brought around. But at one point, she looks at him and thinks, this man and I are going to kiss. Oof. And I... just This is the really... The very beginning of the unresolved sexual tension. Yeah, he like gives but her, but it is a slow, just incinerating burn. I j- oh, it's so good. Yes, and he like because he's and I think there's also he's about to give her his coat, and then he's like, oh, that's that's gonna look really so he gives inappropriate. Her a scarf. So he gives him her a scarf. Yes, scarf. And can I just say? Because then of course, we all know what's gonna happen. They ride the horse together. Oh yeah. I am a sucker for a shared horse riding trope for some force proximity it is a an underappreciated trope in my book like the ride the, the bottle, dismount, bodies jostling like, together oh man yeah like they're they, ooh, pressed all up against each other i think other. he accidentally the bumping <laughs> i think he accidentally presses his lips to her neck too when she turns her head to get yes or he's getting down or something and everything, he's just like oh, i beg your pardon everything like, about it i'm into it's just it's Yes. Such a perfect recipe for some nice... It is. Like, tension building. So, she does go back with him, and then, oh, no, gets super sick, because she hiked six miles in the snow, and, oh, no, you have to stay the whole break here, because the doctor says... You can't, you're suffering exhaustion as well as a cold. And yeah, whatever will you do with your time? So she and Sebastian just keep bumping into each other during the stay, and they develop this cute little flirtation through book borrowing that's really, really cute. Yes. And Annabelle gets some decent rest for the first time in several years that I think Sebastian starts to suspect because he... He basically threatens the doctor to tell him what's up. Um, He threatens him into breaking doctor-patient confidentiality laws. But it's when he first starts to see that, like, maybe things aren't well for her at home, but he doesn't have a chance to think much of it because he's busy trying to wrangle Peregrine and basically forces him to enlist in the Royal Navy to learn some discipline, which, what could go wrong there? (laughs) Just, we'll find out. I mean, Peregrine is so... I mean, he's so, reasonable. So, yeah, He and also he's so disciplined, mm-hmm. and he takes his life very, ser- and his responsibilities very seriously. So, of yes. course, he would be super thrilled to join the Navy. Yeah. What more could he want? It's basically giving him a gift. But while they, while Annabelle is in residence at Claremont, she gets an invitation to a fancy dinner party at Lady Lingham's place. And Lady Lingham is rumored to be Sebastian's paramour. Yeah, like they have a... They have an arrangement. But they have an arrangement. she's a widow, yes. yes. So it's fine if they're, like, fucking on the side. No big deal. Dogs gotta eat, right? Dogs (laughs) gotta (laughs) eat. But for both of them, she's not like a dog. Her name is Caroline, though. And she's a mean girl. And I just feel like she got the Caroline Bingley treatment. She did. She was such a Caroline Bingley. Yeah. But... More on that in the future. Yes. So, uh... At this dinner party, Annabelle's kind of sulky because she gets stuck with this clergyman who's kind of an idiot, and Lingam and Sebastian are just, like, chatting away, and that's when we get to this exchange with the Earl of Marsden, who's, like, a fucking alpha bro with a podcast. Total fuck boy. He's like, oh, I don't think women should vote, and, like, women's brains are unable to grasp the concept of politics, and they're, they're like, like incompatible. Yeah, they're just smaller, and the way their brains are arranged, things just... It's all loopy, and it has to travel too far, so that it just, <sighs> by the time it gets there, it gets confused. It's like playing Victorian telephone. Uh, it, but he fuck this fucking moron quotes trash quotes this woman, who, it, it's the the marchiness of Hampshire claims that women's brains are incompatible with voting and science and politics. Yeah, and that's this dude's argument. And Annabelle, who's bolstered by a couple of mint juleps, is just like. Well, if that's true, why would we believe anything written by the woman that wrote that paper that is written yes. about science she, she, and politics? She basically uses logic to own that fool, and it's wonderful. And I'm pretty it's a sure... a chef's kiss moment. And I'm pretty sure Sebastian is just rock hard at the table for her in that moment. Which, oh, yeah. Which, to be fair, weren't we all, but... You just see the attraction. the The moment is beautiful, and I just live for Annabelle just putting this stuffy old bastard in his place. Mm-hmm. But you, and then, yeah, she like goes out to the terrace, and she has like a brief chat with Peregrine. Yes, and she you find out she's kind of been helping him, like tutoring him mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, of course, the Duke comes out. Peregrine Peregrine scrat- scatters, and then they talk about like frustration. And oh, oh yeah. I like their little, he, and he tells her, I don't know if I could find the quote, but basically that she has the heart of a soldier. Yes. Which I really loved. Oh, it was like such a good one. It was. And you see the attraction building throughout this entire stay. And then even in the carriage ride back home, I think she gives him this like kind of sleepy smile. And he just, oh, yeah, they're both. he's like clenching his fist because he's so fucking into her. Yes, because well, oh, she, I think she's it. like thinking about kissing him and he's thinking about kissing her. But of course... They can't read minds, so they have no idea. So all this stuff, like, they've been meeting before. Or they've go- been going for walks together. Yes. And he almost kissed her neck. Another, If it wasn't on the horse, like, there was also an incident where he's, like, leaning forward and almost kissing her neck before. Oh, so and she can they, smell him, and he smells really yeah, nice. Yeah, they've and- been getting to know each other, and also just the ten- – and each time, the more the more they interact, the more this tension is building. And then she gets back to her room, and there is a present for her yes. from the staff, Wink wink nudge nudge the staff staff. but you know it's really Sebastian that he sent her a hunter green coat because she didn't have a nice like she was just you know out trekking in the snow and just like a what I think she calls it a perfectly regular coat
1: and he's like this is
0: not appropriate for winter (laughs) Yeah, perfectly acceptable (laughs) but between her tutoring and trying to send money back to Gilbert like she's she's really hard up as a student right now and so it was a really beautiful gesture and that brings us right up to the ball yeah. at Claremont. And Hattie, delight that she is, tells the Annabel who's agreed to sit for her Helen of Troy painting. Yes, because, she does, because of course her friends are like you're going you've been here for a while, you're going to get invited to the ball, you need a ball gown. Yes. And Hattie has money so she's like let me get you this ball gown. I It'll know be you my won't gift. let me. Yeah, so and she's like oh I'm, I can't accept it. So she agrees Like, well, I'll get you the dress, but you agree to sit for my Helen of Troy painting that she's been harassing her to sit for. And she tells Annabelle, we'll get it in emerald. It'll match your eyes. You have green eyes. It'll look wonderful on you. And she comes back with a fucking magenta dress. Yeah. And I love, I can't stress how much I love Hattie. She is a darling girl. And she... She meant the best and it but it really turned Annabelle into a beacon for the evening because everyone else is wearing like more muted tones. And Annabelle is in hot pink. Yes. Um and it also and required uh, Yeah, it she only has a corset that stops at what, the hips or like yes, the waist. She's wearing clothes that are like twenty yeah. years out of date. And And this one requires like a it's an over the hip corset. Because yes. it's almost like a um like a trumpet style. Dress. I think it's fitted through the hips, so you have to mm-hmm. wear a corset that goes down lower. Um, but she she doesn't have that. She I mean, she barely has – she's bar- wearing borrowed clothes, as it is. Yeah. So, she, she's, she, she goes, goes commando. Yep, she goes sans, <laughs> like, Victorian panties. Yeah, no undergarments. <laughs> no corsets. So, she goes to this ball. She's shackled with that dolt from Christmas dinner who doesn't dance, so she hardly gets to enjoy the party, until – the entry of our favorite fuck boy, Lord uh, Tristan. Lord Tristan Ballantyne, 110% rake. He's, He's got, got an got earring. An earring. <laughs> Yo, we're telling on ourselves. Oh, yeah. I have come on. If they've listened before, like our listeners know. Yeah, that's true. They know what we're about. So he asks for her hand. Yeah, because nobody has been asking her to dance because, of course, she's as they refer to it, from the country. Yes. Which means, like, low-born, so nobody can really ask her to dance. And he's like, because he's a rank, he doesn't give a fuck about that. Which we love. Yes. I think he's also wearing hot pink that night. Yeah. Oh, yes, he has a magenta, what's it? Is it like cover a cover yeah. yeah. Like a waistcoat or something, so they unintentionally match. And That's excellent. Uh, he, yeah, they go on the dance floor. And at one point, he says to her, eyes on me, darling, and I immediately was like, I am into this man. I fanned myself a lot. I'm fanning myself right now. But I did a lot in this book, which you wouldn't think for as much straight porn as we read. Yeah, It's this kind of thing that it's a little bit more cerebral, I guess. It's the yearning. It's the buildup. Yes. It's the, you know that Sebastian sees them on the dance floor and is jealous yeah, they, as fuck. Oh, yeah. Well, they, because she makes eye contact with Sebastian over. And his gaze like and shoulder darkens. And they immediately, oh. So good. It's so hot, even though I was like really into Valentine's. So I was like, if it was me, I'd be like, why not have both? This is the start of my Victorian version of my Victorian reverse harem. (laughs) Oh my God. If we we should find a Victorian reverse harem. Oh, yeah. There's got to be. So Sebastian sees her on basically clocks her from across the room and hauls her ass after the dance off the floor and into. Basically a little alcove where they argue about Ballantyne and like he tells her to stay away from him and what he eventually leans in and like cages her in with his arm and they finally kiss. When he backed her like this was one where i was like okay it it was just this nice refreshing reminder that i don't always need to read straight porn no it's it's to be like very hot and sexy because when he backed her up against in the wall in the alcove and i remember when i was reading it it was this specific moment where she describes it as his forearms caging in her head and i was like This is the hottest thing I've ever fucking read. With those icy eyes. and Oh, it doesn't. Oh, my God. And they kiss, but it escalates so quickly. And he's like, they're feeling each other up. Like, she's got her hands in his hair. He's grabbing her ass and realizes there is nothing under this dress. Oh, yeah. And he, I think, suffers temporary insanity because of it in his beautiful, glorious moment. Oh yeah, he's like so into it, and then there's just the start of some because she, there's some light grinding going on. Oh my god! And then of course he puts because, his, his leg between hers. Yeah, I, and oh, she's like ruining herself on his thigh. Oh yeah. Oh girl, and then, get but, it. But that is the moment where he all his like, oh my god, I'm a proper English gentleman. And he, he does like, break all, it all of a sudden it, off, it yes. like snaps in, and he pulls away, fixes her hair. Kisses the nape of her neck and sends her back to the ballroom. He's like, "We'll talk tomorrow." I was like, Fuck, I am, like. I was like, I would be so weak for this man, <sighs> Annabelle. I get it. Yeah, do you, we are here for you. We support you, babe. Yes, and he does actually intend to speak with her tomorrow he about does. something. Yes, he sends her a card to meet him outside of the the hedge maze after at a little p.m. after a little musical concert. Yes, uh, situation. Uh, but unfortunately, Peregrine is. Peregrine. Yeah, so they do they do meet in the maze and, they, and, right, and, literally oh, and they're right getting it a little more to, about and then right when he's about to ask her this very important question. Um surprise his valet shows up and is like, hey, uh your brother just fucking bounced, nobody knows where he is. He knocked Skipped out down. he knocked out his valet oh. and he's just he's in the wind. We he don't know where really the fuck he is. Not into joining the navy, what, it turns out. What a boner killer. Surprise. So uh that understandably has to pull montgomery from claremont for some time because he has to go find inspectors at scotland yard to find a fucking brother who's just in the goddamn wind yes Um, and and of course because he's got money and he's got no chill about this he's like oh no call scotland yard yes of course i'm a duke i'm from the oldest who wouldn't the oldest duchy in like england um so he he has to leave Claremont for a while, but the night before Annabelle is due to depart back for Oxford, he returns and Annabelle gets this amazing running through the castle moment. I think it's like New Year's Eve, right? Because they're it's shooting off fireworks. Because that was the the Queen wanted him to bring back. His family used to have this big New Year's Eve party, mm-hmm. and that's why. So he had to do this, and she gets word because he's been gone for days, and she gets word. He's home, but she hasn't seen him. She's looking for him outside. Her friends are all going to see the fireworks. And she's like, nope, I got to get my fucking man. So she's just running like Celine Dion, and it's all coming back to me now. (laughs) The clothes are flowing, and she's like, I'm getting the duke. So she meets him again in the winter library where they met the first time and he kicked her out. And the (laughs) angst, the tension, we get so close, but we remain so far apart. Yes, we get like these heated kisses up against the door. There's some heavy petting, some light finger action. I think she calls it a knee trembler, which I fucking love. It was trembling my knees. Oh, yeah. And then he says... The most romantic words that every woman wants to hear right when they're in the right throes about, of passion. Will you be my mistress? He said, we'll negotiate terms tomorrow. Oh, and yeah. she goes, what? And he's like, well, I can't call my solicitor now. And she just is like, what the fuck? Yeah. What is happening? It's like, oh, no. Um, he Um, Well, because up to this point. She's I've like, made a terrible mistake. <laughs> up, up to this moment she felt so seen by him because she had this previously hinted at but not disclosed past with another man and she's like oh sebastian sees me and yes. then when he's like basically says let's negotiate an arrangement she's like i don't i don't bargain favors for sex i have i have a past i'm not interested in repeating anything like that that's happened before and she just says i won't be your mistress yeah So she goes back to Oxford, and she and Sebastian just, you know, pine for each other, as you do. They go their separate ways. But she has to fucking sell her clothes, and she's barely able to afford food at this point. Yeah, because she was away. She couldn't do any of her tutoring. She hasn't been able to bring money in. When she was supposed to go home for Christmas to work for Gilbert and didn't, and so then has to make up and keep sending him money for that time when she would have normally been at home. So she, with her being unable to go back to Chorleywood, she's now like kind of behind in her payments. So she has to make all of these sacrifices, and and she's also worn out from school because she is a student. She's sitting for paintings sessions for Hattie for this Helen of Troy, and then she starts working for Professor Jenkins because he's like, oh, my student is starving. Um, yeah, maybe he, like, I should he, inter- her. Like stomach starts grumbling <laughs> when he's in like, the like your work of- is suffering, and she's like, yeah, her paper sucked. Her stomach grumbles and he's like, Oh shit. I'm um, be my assistant. I'll I'll keep you fed and I'll pay you. And he's like, How much do you want to make? And she's like, Two pounds a month. Yes, everything else done, I can make. Yeah. Perfect. So now she is in the midst of all of this crumbling world shit happening. She's now asked by Lucy to go meet with the Duke, who she just spurned, to talk to him about the Married Women's Property Act in the Houses of Parliament. And then uh you know they end up having a conversation about being uh her being his mistress instead yes. and they, i mean they do also talk about the vote they, they, do, do, they do but it about, devolves quickly into yes. an interpersonal relationship yeah. question because they have i mean you got to bring it up <laughs> it do- in this this is chapter 20 in the book and it's one of my favorite chapters because it is just full of delicious angst mm-hmm. and At the very end of the chapter, it's what makes, I think, the rest of their interactions worth it because this is so fucking angsty and, like, it's excruciating for the two of them and you see that it's, like, an equal parts horrible for them. Yes. But he says to her at the very – right before she leaves, if you were a highborn lady, I would have proposed to you in the hedge maze. And I highlighted this part where Annabelle thinks because she would never, ever be anyone other than plain Miss Annabelle Archer – and now she'd forever know how dearly that had cost her. Yes. God damn it, Evie Dunmore. Did so, you have to hurt me like that? It's so heartbreaking. But then also because, of course, before she goes, he tells her, "Hey, I know this. Ma- I there's been talk about this march going on in Parliament. Don't I do don't it. Don't go. Don't go to it. And also, he tells her he says that he will give her. He gives her advice on like, I'm not gonna. I can't vote for your proposal." Here's some i M- I'll give you a list of mm-hmm. MPs that will be sensitive to your cause, but I'm not gonna vote for it. And then she kind of like, you know, like it's only it's only gonna cause trouble if you go to this march. Don't go to it after oh, this heartbreaking thing. And she says, Perhaps this is not a question of staying out of trouble. Your grace, perhaps it is about deciding on which side of history you want to be. Oh, Mike so- drop so good. Oh. She that's I love about Annabelle, she's not afraid she's, she's of so anything. She's so witty and intelligent and well spoken and I'm just like, "Oh." And yes. she's she's not afraid of a man whose power greatly exceeds her own. I mean, the, one of the first times they met, she wanted to slap him and he clocked that. Yes. And he was like, "Is, this, is she fucking insane?" And yeah. she's like, "No, I just I just care I love myself and yeah. I will stand up for myself when you're being a dickbag." So Truly, in this book, you suffer before you are rewarded. And I know there's something in me that needs healing because <laughs> it's my favorite fucking thing ab- about probably their relationship is how much angst and buildup there is. And it just gets worse from here. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, it gets they, real bad for a while. Oh, like God, Professor it's... Jenkins invites Annabelle to a concert. And, of, and course, of course, Sebastian is there. With Lady Lingham. And he also sees her with the professor and is very jealous. And Oh, he corners her yeah. in a fit of jealousy. And Annabelle has fucking none of it at this yeah. point. She's like, leave me alone, dude. Like, she, we're she at says, an impasse. Fuck off. Like, what? nothing's changed. Your peel- feelings will pass if you just leave me alone. And I, I couldn't love her more for that, for standing around and being like, listen, I know you can't marry me. But I'm not willing to settle for being your mistress. No. Um, so, back with the League, all of this shit's happening to Annabelle, and she's still working on these political causes to help amend the Married Women's Property Act. So, their march on Parliament comes up. And, uh, unfortunately, the men are put off by women protesting against legislator, legislature that harms their interests. Like, Oh, my God, so much has changed between know, then and they're, now. They're just so not into it. And Ugh. who would have thought? It's so, it, these then, outdated thoughts. But, all, yeah, because also you find out, like, someone got them a permit for their protest. Yes, they were legally allowed to be there. Yes. Who and could also, have done it? And also, Hattie is not supposed to be at the protest because her dad would not approve. So they're like, girl, we love you. We know you want to be there, but you can't come. But of course, as Annabelle's getting on the train, she sees this woman in a giant, ridiculous clo- cloak, and immediately <laughs> clocks Hattie. Yeah, <laughs> and they head off to the march together. She's like, Ugh. she's very insistent, which is very sweet. And I'm like, you know what? Respect. Like she works. She's like, this is my cause too. I want to be there. And Annabelle's like, I'll look after you. Yeah, I-, I get that. Come with this is me. your, you're you've done as much as we have, and you do deserve to be there. And. If you want to, I will do what I can for you. Yes. And boy, does she. Because some really fucking scummy cops end up assaulting Hattie, who, they're, like, groping her. Yeah, and, they're, like... Because they're trying like, to, want to... It's, they're like, trying one to of them in particular. The, there's, like, all of a sudden, the cops show up. Like, it's very peaceful. Nothing's going on. All of a sudden, the cops start coming and kind of, like, It's just moving a lot bigger the flow than they expected. Of, yeah, there's, like, way more women than they thought were going to be there. And the cops start kind of moving the flow of traffic or whatever... And then one young creep just starts, like, catcalling her and starts grabbing her. like, groping her. It's, it's gross. And Annabelle steps in to be like, hey, like, leave her alone. And then he just keeps being a creep and makes some gross fucking comment. And she, fucking- she sees the panic. Mm. She sees the panic on Hattie's face and just decks him right in the face i actually cheered yeah it i did was too. So i good. was really into it i was like knock his ass out yeah but then she's promptly arrested and hauled off to jail which there are consequences for these actions there are but, but good but i mean like but i she saved them. her friend from you know I, I again i love annabelle i love hattie i think they're both wonderful and and annabelle stepped up and said i told you i'd look after you and if knocking this cop out is what i have to do so be it yeah. But she is hauled off to jail. Uh, but her friends, her friends are the fucking best. And they immediately go to you-know-who. Yeah. They go to Sebastian, and he is like, I'm on it, ladies. He runs out. Of course, he doesn't know what's, where she's being held. So he has to go to all these different places and until he finally finds her. Then he pays her fucking king's ransom of a bail, yeah. which is 50 pounds. Uh, and I converted that too. <laughs> it's, it, it would be like paying $8,400, $8,500 to bail Oof. someone out who just burned you yes. multiple times. Uh, and then he does it for a bunch of other suffragists and yes. then threatens which, to close yeah. the whole facility if they don't raise their standards. Too fucking sweet. Uh, which we love a man like that. We do. He only throws his weight around on things like this that are actually fucking important. They are and it, and he does it for the people that he loves and cares about. Exactly. So like everyone he has this kind of rumor about him of, that he has no heart and he's really like cold, but then it's in these moments you see like, "Oh, he does care." He cares he all, just as much as anybody, maybe more. He, he just, just shows it show in a different it. way. So he so Sebastian gets her out of jail, he's very content to just save her and then just go mope. About mm-hmm. how she won't be his mistress. But Annabelle but she, has, yeah, has a takes, bath. She, takes she has a meal. Because he, he, he takes her to his like home in Belgrave Square because, of course, he's got a million homes. Oh, yeah. This man has residences he's, like, everywhere. He just, they go their separate ways. He's like, you, like, the staff will give you whatever you need. Have a bath. Clean up. Mm-hmm. Like, have food. And she gets some clarity in the tub. And thinks, well, he saved my life so I can give us this one night. And she she says, "Take me to his quarters." And the servants are like, "Well, he's there alone." And she goes, "I know." She, and she's just in a robe. Oh yeah, she's just like squeaky clean from the bath. She's got she's not wearing shoes, which is what Sebastian is like. I see her bare feet. Yeah. My God, ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then then we get to it. Please, you have the best summary of this scene, and I, I cackled the first time I heard it. Okay, so my summary of because this is if you couldn't tell by now, this is the moment where they finally fucking get it in. They finally uh, do it. It's the culmination of all that unresolved sexual tension. It's the culmination. The culmination. And my notes are, she goes to him, blowjob, who did this to you, pussy eating, make sure you pull out, dude, multiple female <laughs> orgasms, cleanup, and pillow talk. What more could you want in an evening? Yeah. With your one night stand, with a duke that you can't be with, uh, just so good it's like all the things we love with a little like sprinkling of the who did this to you because of course she was was thrown to the ground and her knees are bruised and while he's while he's going to his knees he sees that oh yeah i think he's also really taken aback by the fact that she just blows him like he's sitting in his chair and she just like undoes his robe and he's like, Whoa, "What?" She says she learned about it. My favorite is that she said she learned about it from seeing some Greek pottery. And he's like, "I'm in forever being indebted to Greek pottery." <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, of course, he goes down the. The oh, language yeah. here is like more a little bit more euphemism than straight porn, it but is, it was so it's, good. It's just oh, it's, it's really it's great well done. Spice. It's yeah, it's I would say like um, it's it's, it's very hot. But it's not, like, porny. It's spicy. It's not smutty. Yes, exactly. And, but in their postcoital bliss, Annabella asks Sebastian a question. Yeah, just, what's really going to get you in the mood <laughs> for round he two? Asked, so he, she asks him about his ex-wife and yes. what the deal is. So he opens up to her and confesses that he married this woman. And basically they both, they did the, you know, Rich upper class thing of they married for the title, and mm-hmm. you know, he needed to. And I think he needed, oh, it was because he's still trying to get back all this land, all this stuff that his drunkard father blew away. So he needed something from this girl's father. She, he wanted his daughter to marry a duke. Yep. Um, but she, she was, was, in, love with that she was in love with someone else. So, and that he was just cold and she is not into it. So six months into the marriage, she just bailed on him and, and. he caught them in and in. And holds back from just murdering them, and basically is like basically kind um, of he, yeah exiles like, her right yeah he's like go to Italy and never come back yep I'm keeping I'm keeping the funds like you can have your man enjoy bye girl yeah. But it's a. I think this is a beautiful blend of them sharing really intimate conversations, and yes, then the physically because, intimate moments. So it's, yes, they're really getting to know each other in they're, every they're, way, and they're really opening up even more about these very private things, and also these things that really shape them, and these traumatic things that shape them into the people they are today. Because of course, like after that, they have a little round two. Yes, and, and uh, then, Sebastian says apparently this does not work as a boner killer for him because he says will you have me like this where he's introducing annabelle to the joys of getting railed from behind and it not me screaming oh, fuck yes she will yes oh my god and then it's after this will she? Yeah. it's annabelle's turn to share yep. and she doesn't really want to share but no. she does so he asks you know i could tell because he, he he's like i can tell you this ain't your first rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> so no like but girl, he says it in a girl, much cla- you've been fucking. Yeah, he, he says it in a much classier way than we ever will and she tells we are, him about we are the epitome of class here. Oh of course, oh, especially, <laughs> especially me, the size queen. Yeah. The, self, <laughs> the self-confessed size queen. I am the height of class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> queen Elizabeth move over. Yeah. <laughs> so she tells him about this guy, this Gentleman William, when she was 17, who, you know, she was this young, like a young vicar's Lord. daughter. And he comes in, he's a, this rich lord's son, and he completely seduces her. With his urbane ways. Yep, and they have, like, a week of passion, and he says, you know, he's gonna marry her and take her to America together, but of course, he fucks off and leave, and much like uh Fantine in Les Mis, he leaves her pregnant, and just oh yeah she she says i found i was increasing yeah and And then sebastian is like oh my god like where's your kid and you find out she lost the baby which is just heartbreaking yeah it's he comforts her and it's very sweet and there was actually this very like quote by him that i i highlighted because i just loved it and um, they're kind of talking and bonding. And he says, these wild depths in you, they call to me. Jesus fucking Christ. So I was romantic. undone by that. lot. Like, Ugh, one if of there my was favorites ever a question, book. if I'm a softie, it's shit like that that gets me. Oh, I, like, I, I just love that so much. This is so well written. It is. It's um, so good. Like, just, uh, like, that's, I, I was like, there are the moments where I was like, usually I'm like, I am a trash goblin, and I just
1: more am a porn, mess. Like more, more porn,
0: more. But this porn. was so. This was the right. I think for for the type of story that's being told and the type of characters we have. Like the st- it was spot on, and at every turn. Yes, and it so. Then the next morning comes in the morning light. They, of course. They've got to have a little good morning sex. Oh yeah, we and, we get like a lot of spicier for. Oh yeah, it's not a one and done. It's, yeah, it's not just like a. Hit and we it, get some. did and immediately quit it. It's nice. Being, yeah, but Sebastian realizes she was never going to stay, and he says, I, "I'm in love with you." Yeah, and she said that doesn't change anything. Yeah, because she. And, yeah, she's like, "Well, I." It's one of those where I, one of the things that I found the most interesting, and I really that I enjoyed this take on the idea of like asking someone to be your mistress. Cause I feel like in a lot of like historical romances, you get this scenario where it's like someone like an upper class band with a lower class woman and the mistress conversation always comes up. And it's usually just an immediate, like shut down. Like, Oh no, I would never be your mistress. And the thought would never cross their mind. But I like that in this Annabelle is genuinely conflicted because part of her want, like, she's like, I want this man. I am so attracted to him. And like, She, part of her is really tempted. She wants to be his mistress. Because what's between them is extraordinary. So, But she, so it's an actual conversation where it's not like, there's not, it's not a non-starter. Like there's part of her that really wants this, but she thinks about the things like, what about like. It's not a pride thing. It's like the real world consequences of me being your mistress. Like, like what about your, your, you're planning to get married again? Like, what about any kids we have or the fact that you could grow to resent me and I would just be living in scandal so she kind of like she has these real solid, reason, like respectable reasons why she they're really isn't going to do it. Where she's-, she's like, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do this, and here are my reasons why. Like I want you. And I don't want like I don't want a fucking yacht. I want you. But like you have to understand that the fallout for me will always be worse than it is for you. Yes. And even it's if, expected that like men like in his station will have mistresses and it's kind of like a Exactly. And he's like, What she she's brought up a point. She's like, What are you gonna sleep with your wife and then come sleep with me? And he goes, Well, well it could ha- happen. Yeah. And she's like, do you not see the problem with this? Yeah. And then well, he even says to her at one point, he's like don't throw away what we have just because you cannot have everything. Ugh. sir, sit your ass down. Yeah. You are you are a wonderful. Oh, I love him, but you. It's so apparent that they come from different worlds in yes, time he, like I, this, and I'm more from Annabelle's world clearly because oh, I'm same. like, girl, no, yeah, because and also sometimes like even earlier in the book, like he'll have you'll when because because it's dual point of view, so you get insight into Sebastian's mind. So sometimes he has these thoughts that I'm like. What a fucking snob. I yeah. <laughs> love him. But every once in a while, like he's an upper class, like British white dude for money. Like yeah. he's kind of a snob sometimes. Exactly. It's just the world he um, he knows. So. Yeah, so and Annabelle knows, like, we're just gonna keep having this argument, this conversation. I have to really like I have to break his heart in order for this to really end. So oh, and she like does. you said, he confesses his love and she doesn't say it back. And yeah, he is just absolutely heartbroken. There's I highlighted the line where he says, what a way to find out he did have a heart. Oh, uh, again, I just love. like I'm I am I was like, I'm glad she's not going to be your mistress, but I do feel bad for you. Yeah. And things just from here go from bad to worse. Because news of Annabelle's arrest have made their way to Oxford, and so they they rusticate her, which is they send her out to the country until the scandal blows over. That's, that's, I feel like that, I was like, this is the most British, like, historical shit I've ever heard, where they're not just going to expel you. They're like, oh, just go take a vacation, and eventually we'll let you back she's once like, the scandal dies down. She's like, I'm here on a stipend. I don't have a country home yeah. I can just hang out at until people decide that my scandal is not that big a deal. But- And then Professor Jenkins is like, well, if you don't want to leave, you could just marry me. I do need an assistant. And you have mastered Latin and Greek. And those are very charming attributes to have in a wife, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) And then Sebastian, (laughs) it just keeps, it's a fucking dumpster fire from here on out. It's wonderful. Sebastian sees Hattie's painting of Annabelle as Helen of Troy. Oh, I was going to say, sorry, can I quickly add that when Jenkins proposes, that shit is the most unromantic and oh, practical proposal of my life he's just like well you know here here's what i need and this is why it would be a good idea and here's what you need this is why like let's just get married why not and she's like are you trying to suggest like a marriage of convenience like no no sex involved and he's like well if that's what you want like he's so practical and unromantic about it And i actually really like that he was like i see he it he's, isn't like for her she like because she does think she's like, this is a decent offer and she's like she asked him for time to think about it and as she's leaving, she does have the thought of like, why didn't I just say yes? Well in his I I like Professor Jenkins because the first time he meets Annabelle, they're corresponding in letters mm-hmm. from Annabelle's father because he was he was a vicar, but he did a bunch of research and which is why Annabelle was always over educated in Gilbert's mind. And they continued this correspondence back and forth until the Oxford acceptance when she said, oh, by the way, I'm a woman. And he was like, cool. Um, so come to lectures, I guess. Like, he was always interested in her academic mind, and that was true here, too. He wasn't suddenly like, oh, I've been thirsting for you this whole time. Yeah, which He's I, like, I was appreciate nice. I that. Yeah. That I, it was more like a practical proposal and not like, oh, I've secretly had a boner this whole time I've been teaching you. Exactly. So – and then, and then Sebastian sees
1: Hattie's yeah, portrait. Helena Sorry, Troy I really derailed this for a Painting
0: <laughs> and and is basically set afloat. He's like, I can't escape this woman. He he rushes back to Claremont. He bought, well, he bought. He's immediately like, how much for the portrait? Oh yeah. Just buy. He's just like any any whatever any, Hattie whatever wants. Costs. yeah. Then he rushes back to Claremont and he goes gallivanting off across like his land on Apollo, which is the horse. That Annabelle named because his horse had some really long-winded Spanish name. No, it, it well, it had like a like a breeder name. Yes. And she was like, Well, what's your name for it? And he was like, Oh, I don't I don't name my horse. horse. I call it horse. Yeah. Um <laughs> because of just horse bring, he did Just bring the white one to me. <laughs> but he calls him Apollo after Annabelle names him. But he he gets thrown from his horse and he thinks I'm gonna die. And the last thing he sees is Annabelle. And he's like, Oh I love her. Damn the consequences. I'm going to marry her. So then he rushes back to Oxford. Well, so I love that right before. So she is trying to like consider her option. She's trying to figure things out. And earlier in the book, I was like, there was this really great parallel and callback to earlier in the book where right before he shows up, she is thinking to herself, she's like, oh my God, like my life is such a mess. What do I do? And she says, I'm a soldier at heart, she whispered, I can do this. Yes. Because she's trying to pump herself up, mm-hmm. which is basically, cut's a, a callback to a conversation her and Sebastian had where he says, maybe you have a soldier's heart. Exactly. And then he shows up. With a head injury. Yeah. And says... Just a mild, <laughs> just a mild concussion. Ruin my reputation if you want. I want to marry you. And and she... So, in the span of two days, Annabelle has been a few days, maybe not exactly two. She's been temporarily expelled and proposed to twice. Uh, the second one, when Sebastian shows up and proposes, leads to her being thrown out of her home and forced to move in with Lucy, which is not so bad an arrangement, but then fucking Gilbert writes to her and is like, hey, heard you got involved with a scandal, never come back here, fuck off, bye. Bye. Because he's a huge piece of shit, as oh, yeah. previously established. Oh, Gilbert. And, ugh, and Annabelle I can't Gil- accept I, in the span of this podcast, I completely blocked Gilbert out of my mind. And then every time we get a call back down, I'm like, ugh. Oh this Gilbert. guy. Yeah. But and Annabelle can't accept Sebastian's proposal. She's like, I can't be the reason that you are ruined. And so yeah, she's like she breaks his fucking heart. She does. Because also she's like, oh like accepting his proposal, it's not so easy. It's something that, like, it's really going to scandalize him. It's going to bring down his reputation, and he's trying to do all this work to bring his family home back. It's and- like a, if you love someone, set them free. Yes. And, but she cuts him to the quick, because she she alludes to him not even realizing that his previous wife was cheating on him the whole time. Like, basically, like, how would you even know, like, what, what this is? And it, it was... It did the job. Um, yeah. And then, well, she also brings up to him that she has another offer. Yes. Of marriage. And this was one, like, this was, they have a situation, because, of course, saying that sets Sebastian off. Oh, He's yeah. He's like, fuck this professor. And he kind of says to her, like, well, you can't marry him. Like, you don't love him. And she's like, oh, like, what does that matter? Like, it's going to it would be a suitable match. And he kind of says to her, like, oh, like, if you marry him, you'd be more of a whore than you ever would be if you married me. Oh, which yeah. Which is so rough. And she's kind of, like, taken aback. She goes, like, why would you say such a thing? And then I highlighted this because I was like, this is so fucking hot, but I feel like I shouldn't be into Just it. myself. Which was, <laughs> he moved suddenly, circling her like a sinewy predator, predator until he paused right behind her. Because, my sweet, you do not love him, he murmured. His cool breath moving the downy hair of her nape. You don't love him, and you would have him for the things he can give you, not because you want him. She squeezed her eyes shut. I don't love you either. That is a lie. He pre he breathed. You should see the look in your eyes after I kiss you. Uh, fuck me up. I was like, ooh. it's so good. I was like, ooh, I know he just called her a whore, but fuck, this man is so hot. <laughs> he's also again he probably has a concussion his big ass horse just fell on him he's really not he's in his best and still like throwing out lines like that yeah he's he's not in he's not in his best self right now he, he's not at the peak of it he's not in the peak of hell no health. apparently i'm into that. <laughs> so apparently i'm into head injuries <laughs> So all of this shit is happening to Annabelle and she still manages to do the one thing that Scotland Yard has failed to do for several weeks and she collars Peregrine. And good, yes, oh my god, she trying, rips yeah. him a new one. She really does. She, but she just, she rips him a new one. Almost then, slaps him. Yes, but then immediately admits admits she's in love with his brother and then just has a full-on meltdown, which like, and me can't too, girl, you. me too. I love that she's like just dressing him down and then is like, I love it. I love him. And then cannot, and then just it's keeps. It's been a long week. With all her friends, she just like keeps crying and she's like, I love Love but her friends, love Hattie and Katrina and Lucy, are the fun. Like, this girl gang rules. And it's it's part of the reason I love the series so much is not just the romance, but the friendship between the four of them is stellar. Yes. And they, I think it's Lucy says, like, we're all a with Like, we yeah. would never, She's basically, we'd never leave you. Yeah, like, her friends are, she tells her, she finally confesses to her friends, like, everything that's been going on. And... Lucy gives this big speech about like mm-hmm. for each of them, like kind of we're all scandalous in our own way. So I refer to it as scandalous, but not alone. So yes. kind of like we're gonna stick together. Like Exactly. I know, stop trying to be so self-righteous, girl. Like we have your back, we're your friends, we're not going anywhere. But it also maybe dry weird. your tears. You've been yes. you've been like dry heaving, crying for a yeah. long but time. Ca- now. But maybe calm down a little. Y- yes, exactly. <laughs> so and then, yeah, Peregrine returns home. Oh, he finally, hightails he it finally home. He returns home because he's been gone for what six weeks, just hiding in the wine cellar. Oh yeah, Katrina has been sheltering speaking of, him. Speaking of food, oh, uh, it's that's a yeah. great little moment between the two of them too, because Katrina had been like at, at the ball had had been practicing not wearing her glasses. She was doing all kinds of yeah, and she kind of gets like a little scurly whenever he and, like blushing a little whenever She he's clearly up. has a fat crush on him. Yes, so. So, he makes it home, and he's like, I'm going to accept whatever punishment Sebastian finds appropriate, but finds him just fucking sauced just in his study. Com- this man doesn't drink, and yes. he's pissed. Because because his father was a drunk who was drunk and died in a puddle. Yes. Because he was so wasted. He does not drink. It's established, like, throughout the book, like, he doesn't drink, he doesn't drink. But he's And incoherent. then he's fucking hammered. But they have a real – somehow they do have, like, a real open and honest Well, I think parents finally, like, finally. not afraid of him. And yeah. they can finally – it's – and Sebastian's, like – And he realizes his brother actually does give a shit about him because I think he was also of that mind that, like, my brother is just cold. I'm a disappointment. I can never be as good as him. Yes. And all I do is disappoint him and he's just pissed at me the whole time. Like, he just hates me. And he – he helps Sebastian. He gives them a little bit of perspective. Because he knows he could let this go. His brother would sober up. He'd eventually move on and find a new duchess and just bury his sadness. Yeah, he's but like, this would be he's a so match, but. so moved by his, like, his brother's fucking wrecked. And he's just rambling about how he can't escape Annabelle. And he is maybe relishing, I think, of a little bit the fact that he's not the only disaster Devereux in the room and so he tells him <laughs> about tells him about the conversation with annabelle and the fact that she's in love with him and maybe proposing after a head injury was a poor choice so i think personally in effect saves the duchy from from potential ruin yeah she, by he, just telling his brother that annabelle is in fact in love with him yeah and he also gives him some good perspective on like yeah, she rejected you, but here's kind of her reasons why. Like you're a it, moron. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a bad proposal. Like what, did, like, what did you expect? Yeah, like, and that brings us not your best, <laughs> not your best plan, not your best works. <laughs> run, running to a woman to propose right after you fall off a horse and have a head injury in the middle of the night, yeah, it's, and you get her evicted from her yes, home is maybe not not the ideal. Yeah. So it's not the proposal every woman is hoping for. Not at all. So that brings us to the final act of bringing down the Duke where the suffragists are assembling in the women's gallery to hear the debate on the Married Women's Property Act. And instead, they get to witness something much better because Sebastian barges in late and thoroughly ruins himself in front of the peerage. Because he resigns as chair of the election committee. He throws his vote behind the suffragists. And then mm-hmm. he quits the Tory party, which he was assigned to work by the fucking queen. Yeah, so he really is just like... Just middle fingers, like, like I'm out. Fuck it all. I'm going for, like, I'm just going for what I want, finally. It, and, you know, we get so many ruined women in these kinds of novels that it was so enjoyable seeing a ruined man. And a mm-hmm. man that had ruined himself, yeah. on purpose, to be with the person that he loved, and so now I think he and Annabelle are standing out in the rain, and she's like, "What have yes, you done?" Of course, and he's like, of course, Well, also, one, it's England, so it makes sense. But also, but of course, yeah, it's the steps it to they meet in the in the rain on the steps of Parliament, which is where they first met. Yes, and he's like, "Well, you couldn't possibly ruin me more than I've just ruined myself. So, if you'll still have me,
1: <laughs> will yeah. you
0: marry me?" And she finally agrees uh, to marry him. And there's this also very sweet quote by him where he says to her, Darling, I have only just begun to love you. Oh, god damn it. Sebastian Which is a beautiful quote, and it would be great to end it on. But we get we our get favorite one, thing. We get one more chapter, and it's one of the things that we love in a final chapter. Just a little wrap-up spice. Yeah. And uh, oh, I have a quote from this one. They're basically on their honeymoon in the Mediterranean. And he's swimming nude and bringing her, like, the fruits of the sea. Yes. I think he's bringing her, like, shells and stuff. Yeah, I think he drops off his, you know. But also, I really enjoyed, this was, like, another, she, Evie Dunbar is so great with these, like, fun callbacks, because I think when they're discussing the arrangement of him being his mistress, if I'm remembering it correctly, one of the things she asked for is a yacht. She does. And Because she wants a Greek galleon to yes. sail the Mediterranean and, and do research. So they're on their honeymoon. On a yacht, yes, in the, in Greece, and he's like, well, you know, I can't, I didn't have the galleon for you, but and he's swimming nude and just yeah, skinny dipping, which eating I, her out on her yacht, and you get like a oh, and a he more says, scandalous version of like the Mister Darcy coming out of the water, just uh, listening. Oh my god! And he says, and this pleases me very, very much. Oh, it's so good. It pleases me too. Yes, Sebastian. Yes. And that is Bringing Down the Duke, which just brought me down, really. It just, oh Oh, Yeah, I was, again, I think the first time I read it, at the time I was really craving something like, I just wanted street smut. Like, I wanted porn, trash. I was in, like, a trashy mood. (laughs) So I remember at the time I was like, oh, like, I wish it was more spicy. But then when I reread this, I was like, no, that fucking sexual tension and the buildup and all those little scenes where they're meeting oh they're so good so well done and then by the time like you finally get that culmination it's so worth it it's so hot it is it's it's just so skillfully crafted and this author is just a green light author for me i'll read anything that she puts out in her catalog at this point because i love the the three of the four books that i've read from this series i'm sure i'm gonna love the fourth one um, which is Katrina's story. I'm excited. So you, because you are caught up on the series, but I have not. Yes. So I I was always planning to read them. But because I am cheap and bougie on a budget, I was trying to get them on, like, a nice, like, daily deal. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's fair. We <laughs> so, read a and lot I do of have, books. I, I do now have the second book. So I was like, nah, but, of course, I have, like, our book club. I have a lot to read, but I want to get back to it because I... Oh, I really loved this so much. The style is so good. I think, in terms of spice, I gave it like a three out of five stars, but r- the romantic parts, romance was five out of five across the board. Oh, yeah. it was, there were beautiful callbacks. There was tons I of I good gave it like building. Two, I think I gave it like a two for spice, maybe two and a half. Like, it was like a kind of middle of the road. Yeah, like for it me. was definitely hot, but I didn't think it was. I, I think the like tension was, is hotter it, it than the actual. Like, yeah, it was a little like doing it. Yeah, I feel like it was on kind of almost like a Bridgerton. Level of Spice. I feel like there was more of it, though, than I expected. Yeah, maybe about two. I'll two and a half it. Because we had the alcove. <laughs> we had the knee trembler. We had, like, the multiple scenes of them yeah. actually sleeping to it. Then we had and the wrap-up Spice. And I also really appreciated and liked that this, you get, like, different positions. them working on different things. Ugh, will and you have me also, like this? Yes. Yeah, I'm like, for Bridgerton. <laughs> yes, sir, we had, I will. Bridgerton, we had to wait, like, five books to get a man going down on a woman. And this one, I got it in book one, which... You yes. know, well, I'm always about. That's the other thing about it. This is a historical romance, but it has a more feminist lens than we would normally get. Yes, where, it, and this isn't. If you come into this expecting straight modern feminism, you're going to be disappointed no. because it's feminist for the time. Yeah, and it's within con- it's within context, and it makes sense, and it's what makes it so good. And I think uh, you'll love Lady Lucy's. It's even more so than this. Um, you know, I'm excited about it. We love a, because, a rake. Um oh. I'm a sucker for a rake. Yes, I'm. I'm so, garbage. but I, I just think the it, it's it's so well done. It's so much fun to read too. I, like is, I just couldn't put I, it down. There again, I I quoted, I highlighted so much of this book. Like I read plenty, but there were so much more that I highlighted. Mm-hmm. And even some was like the romantic stuff, like I said. But some were just lines that were really witty and made me laugh. Like even when she's talking to Gilbert originally, and he's trying to like talk her out of going to Oxford and he makes some comment about her her brain derailing yes. and she's like oh she uses it like reverse psychology on him and she's like no no you're right like what if my brain derailed and it, I laughed so hard at the attack by feminists yes it's it's delightful through and through so I think overall I gave it a four star I also gave it a four star yeah I, I originally I, I originally gave it a three but after my reread, I Ooh. upped it to a four. And I almost gave it like a four point two five. I was That's high I was praise. Like, I was like, oh, should I do like a quarter star or something? I but I I stuck with four, but I did I did really love it. I did too. And I think it it also goes to show since this is a reread for both of us, it's very rereadable. It's not yes. like a one and done. I, I will I, read this again. Like I for said, sure. I enjoyed it more on a reread. Like, you know how sometimes if you reread and you're like, oof. Ooh, I can't believe in the moment th- I love yeah. this, but what was I? Yeah, what like, the hell I was, was just I thinking? Drunk with that's, that was the, that's the saga of me and the Twilight saga, oh, no. where I was obsessed with Twilight, and then I reread it, and when I got to New Moon, I was like, "What is this fucking misogynistic bullshit? <laughs> no man is uh, worth your life, not ever." I'm like quoting Buffy Summers at it. Uh, was there anything else in this that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? I feel like we got it all. Honestly, I could have I could have I could have just so read the book with how many quotes I had. Like there were just so many good like it's one excellent. lines or even just whole paragraphs where I was like, "Oh, it, it was just so it was just so enjoyable. It was. It was I, and it's a great story. I was really into the romance. Like, yeah, I was like it's like, yeah. 5 it, stars for romance. Excellent. Um and if this isn't your type, of story. If romance heavy is not your thing, we have some good news for you cuz our next book <laughs> is going to be Ice Planet if, if Barbarians if, if by pl- <laughs> I'm sorry, if plot have, if plot is not for you, then <laughs> are you in luck? Yes, cuz on June 23rd, Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon will be coming out. So if you'd like to read that to uh stay caught up with the Shelf Pleasure Book Club, please feel free to do so. Yeah, and that's um, a quick and it's that one is literally quick and dirty. It's, it's less 180 than pages. pages. Yeah. It's a it's a good summer read. So um, Oh yeah. But thank you for reading and listening along with us. We hope you enjoyed Bringing Down the Duke as much as we did. Yes, please tell always as always share your thoughts. If you have any questions or if we fuck something up, please let tell us. us. Know. Yeah, wait. I I dress us down. <laughs> please feel please Please tell us if we fuck anything up. I, I want to do right. Uh, yes. But um, until then, read what you love and, and fuck, fuck the, the rest. If you enjoyed Shelf Pleasure, please feel free to bookmark us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, or like our page on Facebook, at Shelf Pleasure Pod. For questions, concerns, or recommendations on future books, please email us at shelfpleasurepod at gmail.com.